This is your game, Nicholas, and welcome to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Underrated Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss films that are underrated, underappreciated, or ones that have slipped under the radar and passed most people by. I am one of your hosts, Derek McDuff, and joining me, as always, is Ariel Ortiz. Hello! And this week, for our film, The Game, it was uh, brought to us by our friends over at the Films and Stuff podcast. We got Pete and Ethan here. How's it going, guys? Hey, Derek. How are you today? Doing well, thank you. All good here. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you, thank you, guys, for being on. You've had us on. Uh, obviously, we, we talked about Shazam uh, too recently. Uh, I was also on there talking about Avatar, so had to pay back the favor and have you guys on. And you guys chose a great film. I am always down to talk about David Fincher. Like I said, we we're talking about his 1997 film, The Game, starring Michael Douglas. Definitely, I would say, one of his least seen films kind of has maybe been reclaimed a little bit. But I'm going to kick it to you guys first. What did you guys think of the film and why did you pitch this to us? What do you think? So I remember watching it when I was very young. And it was one of the first few movies. And I guess the statute of limitations for spoilers are long gone, right? I think yeah. we're okay. No, we're, yeah, no yeah. spoilers it's on this show. We just spoil, spoil everything. All right, good. Good. Mm-hmm. So I remember watching it as a kid, or not a kid, but I mean, everyone's a kid when you're younger, but still. And mm-hmm. it was one of the first movies where there was a twist ending that was quite mind-blowing. Uh, And so for me, as a young novice movie aficionado, I was blown away by that. Like, it literally was like the only thing I could think about was, I can't believe they did that in a movie. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. From um, Oh, well, go on. Because to our guests still. (laughs) I mean, for me... This is, I mean, when I, when I saw it the first time, of course, I loved the, the twist at the end. But what really attracted me to this movie initially was the opportunity to see Michael Douglas the way that I think he should be portrayed, right? He kind of has the same Gordon Gekko-like character hmm. that he had in Wall Street. And, and that's the way that I was introduced to Michael Douglas in a way that I always think he should be portrayed, when I watched the movie for a second time in prep for the show, I knew how much I loved the movie the first time, but I was really struck by the, the, the details that I picked up and the very, very, very subtle character qualities that Fincher was really careful to sprinkle throughout the movie. And I thought, like, after watching it a second time, I loved it just for sheer entertainment value. And I'd loved it for, like, filmmaking genius the second time around. So I think it's it's really a, a rewatchable movie. It's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely enjoyed it. It was very it was very surprising of the twists and the turns, even up until the end. Like, I, I kind of figured for the first twist to happen that, yes, it is still all a game, but... Um, at the end, when he like seemingly shoots his his 
brother, I was like, oh, that no, that's real. That's mm-hmm. real. I was like very convinced and stuff. And then literally, yeah, when he jumps off the building and and it's it, it's like, oh, it's just kind of like a a sad poeticness of because, you know, of his father killing himself the same way. And and then yeah, they they kind of let you linger for so long because he falls for a while until like he breaks through and then they catch him, and then it turns out that it's like all, it's even then it was a game and it 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 took me by surprise. I very much enjoyed it. Like um, I was saying before, Fincher has this way of of creating these these like very incredible twists and turns, and very much so is really good at doing them early and keeping you still engaged for going forward for you know iconically for him of of like not introducing John Doe in 7 until like the third act essentially at the start of the third act and it's kind of the same way for this one with that with that first twist um with shooting his brother and stuff or at that point, it was like a, a a couple of twists, but for me, that like that was like the first like possible like reality twist, um, in my opinion, or at least how I was feeling while watching it. And uh, and like yeah, you still get engaged. He he like literally you you get caught in in the the jump pad as just like Michael Douglas in that moment, you know, kind of 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 being like taken aback of like oh everything's okay okay all right and then yeah it, like michael douglas going going off of what you said of like yeah he definitely is like a gordon gecko kind of character the the movie also reminded me a lot of like of course with like a character like that of a christmas carol yeah. kind of thing yeah. but um where where you know like he's kind of not living his past and stuff like that but more so just learning the the way of living again which is like very much so in the beginning you he wasn't living you know he was just kind of like in his own way going with the flow he wasn't necessarily like a bad guy he was you know an investment banker but you know not like he he wasn't like trying to like bankrupt people he was actually like he he was just doing his job and and Trying to do the he best. He didn't give for, that guy for that guy paper that he was a dick. <laughs> uh, well, he was in the middle of like the the game at that point. Um, he was like he was like on edge of everybody. That was the beginning. Like, that was the beginning. Him. He wasn't even in the game um, yet. But um, but but yeah, like I mean, like even to that to that guy, you know that he unfortunately you know had to fire. He tried to like you know i'm giving you a good settlement it's fair you're gonna you know live a good life with this kind of thing and like um so you know he he's ruthless at he's good at his job but he isn't like you know at the end of the day he's trying to do the best for for people and it it's was like looking back at all the movie entirely you could see like very much so like yeah like the brother really did care about him and i think um, having the foresight of of the ending you see that he he didn't he saw his brother following the same path that their father did in a way of just kind of like just living life just like just trying to just making as much as you can but then without you know the purpose of living so that like he gives that gift to him in a way but yeah it was it was very 
interesting, very good thriller, very engaging. And it just leaves you, it, like, yeah, it literally leaves you, like, thinking and second-guessing your yourself and wh- where this movie's going, like, just up until the end, until that party, till the, you know, the glass shatters, essentially. Yeah, no, no I think, I think you really hit it, Ariel, because this is, you know, we were kind of talking before, before uh, we got on mic about how there's a, most movies you could be like, okay, I don't know exactly how they're going to get to the ending, but I know what the ending is going to be. But this one really does keep you kind of wondering, oh, is this for real? Is this a game? Like, what is happening here? What's going on? Because it gives you a lot of reasons to believe A or B. And it kind of has you oscillating between back and forth. Like you mentioned earlier, you're like, oh, this seems like definitely a game. And he shoots his brother and it's like, oh, no, it's not. But yes, it is. But yeah, it is definitely... A modern Christmas Carol. That's something that Fincher has come out and said. Like, and I think it does a really good job of that. I kind of disagree with you saying that you think he's a good guy at the beginning. I really think he does suck at the beginning. I think he's a very Scrooge-like bad character who is just kind of just like Scrooge, just ruthless. All he cares about money. He doesn't care about people. But he's also very tragic. He is, like you said, stuck in that same cycle that his father went through. And he kind of has to, like Scrooge with the ghosts, see the error of his ways and goes on this journey to make him a different person. But instead of using like, spirits and all and magic and stuff like that, it's a modern Christmas carol that is using a company that seems to be just like in control of everything all the time. That That did take me out of a little bit. I was like, okay, they are just like kind of, I'm like, how did they manage to completely get every single detail like i'm like what if he just went off the roof five feet to the left or to the right i'm like whatever i'll it's that's a movie i'll suspend my disbelief but did become a little much at times yeah um so for me like i really do like this movie i love david fincher but it's one of those movies that i feel like watching it i'm really enjoying it but all of the parts are less than the sum if that makes sense where i'm like it didn't work as a kind of cohesive thing. Ironically, you know, because the poster is all puzzle pieces, the puzzle pieces didn't quite fit together for me. I I do think, for me, the third act doesn't really come together as much as I would like, unfortunately. And that's something that David Fincher himself has said. He thinks this movie does have third act problems. But overall, I really did like it. Uh, I think it is probably... And this is saying something because he's an amazing actor. This is probably Michael Douglas's best performance. Like he is so freaking good in this. Like yeah. you said, this is a part that he, these are the kind of roles that he absolutely should play. He starts as that very Gordon Gecko-esque character, but you get to see him have this really incredible arc in this. And as just a character piece alone, this movie absolutely hit the mark for me. I thought the scene where he did his best work was when he like came out of that grave in Mexico. Yeah. He was so Mm -hmm. believable as a wealthy person who was absolutely like humbled and shell shocked and, and just desperate to do anything. I, I thought that every scene there, the look on his face and, and the makeup that they did on him to show him kind of like with the, the scrapes on his nose and his face, but just the way that he was like his, his facial features when he's kind of like sitting on this 
like the back of a bus with like all these other mm. immigrants, you know, he's sitting in the back of a truck with a bunch of chickens. I thought that that was just incredible work by him to try to balance the, the idea of being, I'm super, super wealthy, but I actually have nothing on my person right now. And I'm absolutely desperate. I, I thought that that was just incredible series of scenes with him. And he did really, really believable work in that. Yeah, that that whole ending, especially when he starts to go a little bit unhinged and it's yeah. reminiscent of his performance in like falling down. Yeah. Where he's like he's like at the zoo with the gun, yeah. which is something you could do in 97, but you couldn't do today. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was like a little bit, but he's just like, he's like, yeah, I saw you with the Chinese. You could do it in real drum. life, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like he's just like, you know, like now they have metal detectors and stuff, but like he's just like, oh, he's like, yeah, let's go. And it just he's so freaking good. He just brings it to another level and in he's bringing out all of the best it's like all the hits of michael douglas's career are really coming together in this movie yeah 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 i mean like it, it i but i did in that moment i did like that he didn't lose his like capability you know like he was like a it was a nuanced experience to like not have money and resources but it still showed that he, you know, he was still capable of, like, getting himself home and kind of thing that, like, I did enjoy that. But it is also, like, acts as a humbling kind of situation. But then also, yeah, it's like a teaching situation of, like, that doesn't define you. And I think that that, that was kind of, like, the point of that, that moment in in Mexico and stuff is that, you know, you're you're not solely your your money or your wealth. It, you you know, you're, you're your own person in a way and yeah it, it's just like there's the girl once it was kind of revealed that she was a part of it was a very interesting thing and then also to that that she's kind of like the not the mastermind but kind of like the and i'm i this is very much reminiscent of of video games kind of thing so like a kind of like a developer or you know director of of a video game that's kind of like what her role was and, like, I, I don't know if it's just because, like, my, you know, I, I know, you know, like, I Grand Theft Auto and, and all that stuff that I think that that kind of, like, idea of things made, made it more believable that he was living in this world that was controllable. Like, I think from the point of, like, once the game started, the, the, the you know, the people that were in charge just, like, essentially, like, cleared out and, like, mapped out their own world in a, in a way he was just kind of like yeah like a, a person in, in a in a video game kind of thing so it was a little bit more of a believable thing for me just because of like yeah they just they just like essentially created a gta around him <laughs> um it's such a i i wouldn't be like him at the end where i, I was like asking the girl out i'd have been like I, i'm okay with you but i don't know i don't know if there was really a connection kind of thing and she even questions that she's like you don't even know me kind of thing and she, he's like well i'd like to get to know you and stuff and he's like okay <laughs> but she, she's, she's great by like, the way Derek, you Derek Derek Unger, i haven't really seen her in anything else no, but she's so good in this i agree her imdb i i look the same thing because she's wonderful and it seemed like she was going to be like a breakout star i mean she's supporting michael douglas and sean penn and her career yeah. just kind of like flatlined and the other two obviously are uh went on to, mu to much more. 
To yeah, she's got like the... a bit part in Silent Hill. I think that's the only other thing I've really seen her in. Yeah. Or like not bit part, but like a supporting part. Like yeah. she's like fifth build. Yeah. It's weird that she never like broke out. Yeah. Sorry, I was just saying to your point though, Ariel and Derek actually. So what you were saying, you know, like the, the suspension of disbelief about what if he was five feet to the left when he jumped off uh, the building or, you know, like how they orchestrated this whole Mexico uh, thing and, you know, the the fake kidnapping or whatever you want to call it, right? What I liked is that if this movie were made today, I can't help but feel that there would be almost like an Ocean's Eleven element where at the end of the movie, they would kind of drop the curtain and show you how they set everything up. You know, like at the end of all the Ocean's Eleven oh, movies? Oh, yeah. They, they, yeah. They, the did, they did a little bit of that. They were like, there's divers. And they, yeah. They, no, no, they but you know like, what I mean, right? A, a second. Of, yeah, no. Like, so, yeah. And what I really appreciated about that, and of course, this is now on the second, third, fifth watch. Mm-hmm. And also as a much older person now versus, you know, 25 years ago when it first came out. You appreciate that Fincher trusted the audience and that this isn't that kind of movie where they have to show you everything behind the curtain. I mean, like, look, I love the Ocean's Eleven movies. I love the heist movies in general. So it's always fun to see the montage of, oh, we're on to you, but and we know you're on to us, but we're on to you being on to us. You know, so <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we don't need yeah. to see any of that in this movie, and I'm actually glad that he restrained. And maybe that wasn't so much of a trope back then. Nowadays, it's much more of a trope, which is why I think that you know, if the game were made in 2023, some director would be very tempted to be like, "Oh well, this is how we set everything up." Wink, wink, and kind mm. of ruin the mm-hmm. whole thing. You know. Yeah, and I think it's also like it lends itself to like the the thought of that they they essentially studied his psyche for yeah. a whole day, and like it's with assumed that they have very professional like psychologists, psych you know psychotherapists, or and, and all those kind of things that they essentially this group is they know you in and out, and that's why the experience is supposedly so life-changing is because like they know you on a s- mental level and 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 yeah like if you just like study somebody in their mannerisms you could you could definitely kind of uh predict on what exactly they're going to do what exactly they're actually going to say you know kind of mm-hmm. thing so so i i liked that i liked that and kind of thinking back on it 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 it, it like it does like you like you're saying it doesn't say like how they did it and stuff like that but you get the essence that this gate group that runs the game are like very well they they have the reputation that they have for a reason kind of thing of like they're very 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 capable one thing too i like that they don't show how much it costs because you're like it, it, for them oh, to yeah. put on like this level like it's got to be something insane like it's got to mm-hmm. be like crazy amount of money and that would really yeah yeah, that would really age the movie if they like show you the check and it's like in 1997 dollars and you're like oh that's like nothing today so i do appreciate that he just kind of has this reaction like oh okay let's split it champagne yeah but you know you raise a really good point because when i I took a few notes having watched this 
a lot of things age this movie in terms of mm-hmm. you know oh, not yeah. just tech obviously we saw the old I was very, tube style tvs one thing, yeah one one thing tech thing that i was like very surprised that it was it existed back then was the like a it wasn't bluetooth but but you know he had a phone that you know he could like click on and off on in his car and stuff speak through the speaker of his car and i was like oh those existed back then for the I'm super like, rich you know yeah, yeah but, i know but you that's know what's why big man orton dollars but what's really <laughs> funny <laughs> is that the idea of wealth has changed so much from like the 50s 60s up till today like back in the day right like we thought the epitome of wealth or and by we i mean society probably thought the epitome of wealth was a yacht a guy on with like a smoking jacket and a commodore's hat and a cigar <laughs> uh country clubs golf estates and then in the uh in the 90s with the game it was you know a bmw in san francisco apparently no one else on the roads for whatever reason <laughs> uh, and then yeah. now if they were that good they shut down the roads <laughs> yeah. and, and, they could have i wouldn't be surprised her wealth is more like succession or billions right which is like yeah or like fucking buying twitter exactly right <laughs> like these high glass walled buildings that kind mm-hmm. of thing so i just like for me his idea of wealth in the 90s is kind of like old-fashioned and laughable today right and it's not even that long ago yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. <laughs> Things have have really really changed uh, with all, with all of that, and you know maybe we need to give a couple of the uh, the billionaires, uh, the end millionaires, the uh, the game treatment. Maybe we'll have a little bit better of a world. Oh my god! What did you think of the performance by Sean Penn? Because I think this is I... the first time, like Sean Penn to me is just like a political activist. I think this is the yeah. first time I've really seen a Sean Penn movie other than maybe Platoon. What did you guys think of his performance? Oh, uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I, I've watched a good amount of Sean Penn movies. Like, you know, I've, I've watched Mystic River, you know, um, I Am Sam, you know, a, a good amount of his movies and stuff. And, and I think this was like a young Sean Penn kind of esque, you know, kind of thing. Like, Kind of elements of Fast Fast Times of Richmond High's character, a little bit of just kind of like the recklessness, and so it made it made it a little bit more believable that he was kind of this. But then, but then also alongside like you know Sean Penn transitioning into these like more um, dramatic movies, yeah, this movie his character kind of like had that kind of feel as well. Like you get the sense of like he was a slacker and stuff but then he went through this experience and then by the end of it when he like is talking to his brother and and it shows it's a detriment to to um to michael douglas's acting of that you see you get that sense of respect that that he didn't have for him at the beginning and that kind of shows that like yeah he's he's not a slacker anymore. he's actually like a pretty like uh um responsible kind of person now possibly and and so it was pretty is pretty cool to see that kind of character in in him and it made it even more like believable of like when he's acting freaked out and stuff um in the middle of the game of um that that 
you alongside Michael Douglas would believe that kind of thing like oh he fucked he fucked up and stuff like that and that of course he would get you know his brother in trouble because he was getting himself out of trouble because that's that's his that's been their history and um so it even like you alongside like Michael Douglas or like make it furthers the belief that this whole thing's real you know kind of thing so so but I I did like his character and I think um he plays crazy and and <laughs> <laughs> really good. Yeah. Um. And losing his, you know, losing his mind very well. Yeah. And so yeah, so so I I enjoyed his his little part in this. Yeah, yeah. I well, thought big he, part. Yeah, yeah. I I thought he was really good. You know, like obviously, like he's a shitty person, but like he's a he's a very good actor. And like yeah, he just gives this absolutely like you were saying ariel great unhinged performance where it's almost like charlie sheen-esque where he's just like you believe that this guy is some like horrible nepple baby who's just like strung out and just like spends all his money on just like that he's inherited from his family on drugs and he's the black sheep fuck up brother that nobody talks about but yeah you know that's something i'd even really consider that yeah he he obviously went through his own game because he was you know had all this money and just blowing on everything and somebody was like hey I need to I need to get him back on board, need to get him oh, on the straight and narrow. That's and, so cool and, to think about. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you think you think he was gifted uh the the game as yeah, well? Or I, I do think, you think he's because th- there's been ones that have sought out the game. I think too. he was absolutely gifted. I think that he somebody was like, Hey, he's a nice guy, but man, he's just he's always on coke. Like whenever he's on coke, he's like fucking things up and just like, you know, smashing tables and doing all this stuff. So we need to get him on the game and get him to straighten his life out. And then he straightens his life out. And he's like, wow, this guy did this for me. I need to pass this on to my brother because I don't want to see my bro- what happened to my brother, happened to my dad. So I do think, yeah, somebody, somebody, because he, he is a character who is. Because he didn't know the price of the game, right? Uh, like that kind of thing, too. Of like, Because wouldn't he have been more knowledgeable of how much I don't it was remember gonna cost. he said he I think he he knew it, that it, what it cost and then also I think it does vary depending on you yeah, know probably yeah, varies I'm, depending yeah, on person what they do. yeah um so who knows what his game was that would be interesting you know oh, I'm not saying prequel. I want to see a prequel to this a prequel. but like if they prequel. did it like that's <laughs> that's what I would that's what I would see is like okay yeah what was his get the game you know mm-hmm. no oh, going off of that prequel kind of idea I think while a movie might not be uh, um, like a remake might not be but i i would very much be interested especially like david fincher has you know gone gone into like t- television of late with like mind hunter and stuff like that i would very much be interested in him doing a a the game show <laughs> but yeah. not pun unintended of a different you know like uh, it could be and thought and anthology an anthology kind of thing or you know just a single season if it's anthology it could be like a different person each season like you That's know super just like good a idea series kind of thing it's a super mm-hmm. good idea yeah. yeah no and then maybe yeah like he could do it like he he's very good at like setting up these shows being a showrunner so maybe he could like you know like he did with uh house of cards or something just direct the first episode and then have his director buddies do you know each one does their own game yeah. and each one does their own spin on that'd be cool I, I would like to see that um but yeah we were kind of touching on before we were on mic that this one is really interesting because it comes at a very 
you know, kind of a pivotal point in Fincher's career. Mm. Obviously, he had been a director working on music videos for a long time. He came up in the 90s with that same crop of like guys like Michael Bay and everything. And then he makes he makes Alien 3, which he he had no control over. And that movie kind of got taken away from him. Then he makes Seven and it becomes a huge hit. Mm-hmm. And he we like, you know, he was working on this for a while. And then with Seven, he gets that blank check. He is able to cast Michael Douglas and do all this stuff. And then he makes the game, which is kind of underwhelming, at least for audiences at the time. Isn't isn't a huge yeah. hit. But then he comes right back and makes Fight Club, Fight which Club, is... Yeah still his most famous movie it's still on fucking dorm room walls so i think this movie does tend to get a little bit overshadowed and forgotten of his like late 90s just really stellar run um so i don't know if you guys had any thoughts on just kind of this one sitting weirdly between these two i mean part of that i think is the the absence of compelling action in the game Mm. right i mean it's it's really dealing with these like the subtleties of kind of loneliness right you see michael douglas's loneliness so often he's a very quiet character and i think that the few action scenes we've we've seen in this movie are really not they're i don't want to call them set pieces but they're not really great action pieces you know they kind of pop up over over nothing and and then they're quickly done right so we saw kind of the car into the river but that's a very fast scene right we saw when he goes mm-hmm. to the lady's house to kind of confront her and he sees like her furniture is fake. And then there's some bizarre dramatic machine gun shootout, right? I mean, it's there, mm-hmm. there's few action scenes in here. It's really about, you know, loneliness and setting up the idea of, you know, the thriller and this company is like intended to be kind of like stalking him and, and where's this all going? So I think that's, yeah. One of the reasons that the box office acclaim was a little bit muted is it just doesn't kind of lend itself to these very dramatic, you know, like dormitory, you know, posters or any memorable quotes or things like this. I think it's the subtleties of this film, which are which are so brilliant, but it's not really the action scenes. Fight Club obviously is a little bit the opposite, right? It's it's the fight scenes and the action scenes are so overwhelming that you kind of miss the the subtleties of of the message that's trying to be gotten across. It's... Yeah, and it's not even like a really like film buffy movie either like the social network is where like yeah. people who are like, "Oh, I'm so into film," you know, it it doesn't have those kind of like prestige. Like it's a very good story and everything and it's really well directed, but it doesn't feel like a prestige movie either. It's I think it's because of the psychological element. I like I am I don't know what the breakdowns are, and I'm sure I wouldn't be able to find them very easily, but I imagine the game did reasonably well in the home video market, or even on the television market, much more so than in the cinema. I think Fight Club, and I think Seven especially, was a lot more visceral, because Seven, I think, was also a little bit psychological, but still, it was Brad Pitt, it was still Morgan Freeman, there was still... And then, of course, you had the seven deadly sins. So there's a lot of there's a lot more appeal that way because you're seeing something that you would not normally see in the cinema, right? Whether it's all these different kinds of murders and things like that, Kevin Spacey, so forth. Uh, and uh, whereas the game, I think, equally, maybe in fact not equally, probably more of a mind trip than even seven. Uh, 
even seven and even I would argue fight club. Mm. But I think in terms of (laughs) cinema, the impact is probably way higher for those movies than it is for the game. Yeah. 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 Going off like exactly what you're saying. I think this one doesn't lend itself to like a hook or or have a memorable like dialogue or, or monologue like that that seven and and um and fight club especially have you know like fight club there's so many moments in that movie that yeah that are visceral that get in embedded in your mind and then of course with seven the whole what's in the box yeah. scene is just like such an iconic oh, scene yeah. and um i mean with all due respect to michael douglas he's a very handsome man but you know michael douglas in 1997 versus a very much in prime brad pitt <laughs> yeah uh-huh. shirtless yeah. listening yeah. to the pixies yeah. as buildings are blowing <laughs> up you know i yeah it, it, i would take those two uh, watching a building blowing up over a very slow motion take of Michael Douglas falling off a building into an airbag, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, exactly. It's like I would describe the game as quiet, mm-hmm. whereas you know, Seven and especially Fight Club, they're just like they're loud, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. They, they. That's just the first kind of like things that come into my head. Yeah. Oh, I, I wanted to circle real f- fast back to something I think you were saying, Ethan, about like the loneliness yeah. that is just inherent in his character. And I found all of that, now that you mentioned, like thinking about it more and more, that is really interesting. And it's something that Fincher does come back to a few times. And it's just this kind of, uh, you know, the, sa- the sadness that comes with just being a, a single dude, like a single aging dude in society and trying to fill your life with all these things because society says oh you to be a success you've got to make a lot of money and you've got to be successful in business and have the cadillacs and just kind of have like a sleazy life and all this stuff and i think that that toxic masculinity is something that this movie is really commenting on in a very smart and subtle way and I, I love that it kind of almost predicts alternate reality games that would like become big yeah. in like maybe like five years, 10 years after this, and just kind of rolls that all into a way to just kind of say that like, yeah, like this, this way, this what society tells men about like, you have to wear a suit, you have to do this, you have to be promiscuous, all this shit is bullshit. And it's all about living for like, just like very Dickensian, just it's all about living for your fellow man. So I, I have to agree, uh, disagree with, uh, it's not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't categorize that it's toxic masculinity per se. It's very much just the idea of success because I definitely connected with Michael Douglas in, in that way of just like me being a professional of how, and, and looking and seeing like how much sacrifice that, that I've had to do to get to the place where I am in my career. And and yeah it, it it lends itself to loneliness it lends itself to like sacrificing your enjoyment of life or um somewhat because you're trying to just get to a place where you are told to be that that is comfortable 
um kind of thing so so it, i i think like maybe at the time it was toxic masculinity but but in nowadays it, it it's like branched out you know just because of of how society has grown thankfully yes the glass you know, ceiling to... in, in toxicity has been broken <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so i wouldn't lend itself to it being just about toxic masculinity i would i would more so like situate it as just the overall idea of success so yeah i, I mean the way that maybe the power that a power right success. The, the, the oh, dynamic i hate that book that you need <laughs> to gain yeah. power and once you have it what you do like how you maintain it right yeah yeah and i mean it, it's just very much so like having this feeling of like this is what i have to be doing kind of thing instead of like is this what i should be doing kind of so. so I felt that the Michael Definitely. Douglas character wasn't really intended to be portrayed as a bad person. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there were there were a few I kind of subtleties that you can say, like, okay, he wasn't like a super friendly guy, but he wasn't really mm-hmm. a bad person. I think it was, and I didn't catch it the first time, but the second time, I really saw that like he was portrayed to be lonely, and that's what was leading up mm-hmm. to this like potential suicide at the end, right? He was always driving yeah. by himself. He was eating dinner alone by himself. You know, like you really got this impression of kind of like all the spaces around him were always large and empty. And I don't think he even perceived himself as being lonely or unhappy. You know, we we know that his it's... wife kind of left him because he was maybe working too much. And I think it was just kind of the impression that Fincher was slowly trying to build up, which is once he shot his brother, you know, who's kind of the only friend that he had, right? The only person he is social dinner with, the only person he kind of lets his guard down about. Once he lost his brother, he's like, I've, I've got nothing else. And, and that mm-hmm. was, I think, supposed to be the buildup to his suicide. But I don't think he was necessarily supposedly a bad guy. Like Gordon Gecko mm-hmm. was an asshole, yes. you know? Yes. I, yeah. I don't think yeah. Nicholas Van Norton was bad. He was just, he was successful and he wasn't like, super mm-hmm. friendly but he was just lonely more than anything yeah i totally agree with you on that i i i feel like it and and you get that you i love the mirroring of him and his father yeah. well you don't get introduced to the father at all you just see the flashbacks that you know that his he's remembering and stuff like that but but that and tells so much of a story you know kind of thing of like you the whole home video kind of aspect of like that his father was present but then then it shows that he was like distant and then he like slowly like i mean then then it cuts to like him essentially walking away and it's and he walks into like the darkness in those home videos and then you see then you kind of get the remembrance of like him being on the the um roof and then then jumping so i i really did enjoy the marrying of that and i do like i agree with you of like how because it, it felt like you could get that sense that like he wasn't a bad guy because his ex-wife was like very concerned for yeah. him that he was just and she's like are you okay mm-hmm. kind of thing and he just he was hurt like I, 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 I definitely could believe that she left him because you know he was working too much, yeah. and she even says like, like kind of pleading, like, like she, but in a way of like, this is like she 
it just does it naturally because she's had to do it for so long of like don't don't work yourself too yeah. hard or like don't work so late and then but he kind of like pushes that off because he's like scared yeah. to to let somebody in you know definitely kind of like tra- trauma of like <laughs> of seeing his dad fall and stuff like and seeing his body and stuff that was that was crazy that was the craziest part where i was like oh man they took that too far on him they like i like where they they positioned the clown was it the clown or yeah as like as how his dad's body was i was like dang they're not they're not and it was like the first thing that happened i was like they're not messing around (laughs) they just hit him in the fields right away so I did definitely enjoyed that. And, like, you get that sense of, like, of, you know, they're well off. And it is it is very much a, a, you know, family wealth kind of thing. But you get the – at least for me, I got the sense more so that he was, like, just a numb person than, than like, overall, like, evil, like, Gordon Gecko kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I would say – I want to just clarify what I meant is, like, I don't think, like – I ever thought he was like a bad person down to his core and his soul, but I felt like he is someone who dealt with a lot of tragedy and hardships and adversity in his life and closed himself off to the parts of himself that were good and be kind of a very cold, hollow shell of a person. And I think, you know, just like, like Scrooge, just like how you see, you see the flashbacks to Scrooge's childhood and you see that he had, you know, a lot of love in his life when he was younger, but um, you know, he lost a lot of things and, became this kind of cruel person and I, I would say you know to me at least that's that's kind of the what I saw happen with him and it was about redeem just like Christmas Carol was about redeeming Scrooge this was a lot about redeeming um Nick Van Orton to me I think but yeah uh, no do you go ahead sorry I, I just thought that you know one of the things that I was looking at uh before when after seeing the movie which I found interesting was that we've seen Michael Douglas play like this real hard ass right mm-hmm. gordon gecko we've seen him in uh and then in the game where he's just like this ruthless no nonsense business guy but what's interesting was he was coming off i think in the last couple of years also as the guy who was on the other side of the power dynamic right because he was in disclosure before where he's the victim he's the male victim of sexual harassment and basic instinct too, right? I think that was reasonably well. Basically, then seeing yeah, basic he instigates instinct. it, yeah. he instigates it <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, uh, fair enough. You're right. That's actually true. <laughs> so let's let's let's. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. That. I wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> say basic instinct because he's know, very much I, uh, I, part of it. Is. I I don't know what it is, but Michael Douglas for me, I see not as the guy on the weaker side i always i think he comes off at his best when he's kind of like this gruff angry no nonsense business guy or even like the guy he was in falling down right where he's kind of like losing his mind but he's taking care of it his way and he's kind of taking everything into his own hands which is you kind mm-hmm. of see a little bit of that at the beginning of this movie and it starts slipping away at the end of this movie, at the third act especially. And I know, Ariel, you mentioned it about him getting, or not getting together, but asking the girl out on a date, right? At the end mm-hmm. of the movie and how that's mm-hmm. kind of weird. 
I think that was just him also kind of not getting back on the saddle as Letting it were, loose. but taking a little bit of control back, right? Where he's just mm, like, okay, yeah. this is this is what I want. And, and allowing himself to open up to right. a relationship with someone else because mm, he wouldn't mm. let himself be vulnerable enough yeah. to do that yeah. at the start, you know? So mm-hmm. For that reason, I'm not forgiving Marble for casting him as Dr. Hank Pram. And totally, I, I totally think, ruining my no, image of what Michael Douglas should be. <laughs> I I would disagree because he exa- like Ethan exactly explained what what Hank Pym talks about as ants, like he did it his own way. You do not you you know he do not underestimate the ants. So he's like Jack Michael Douglas. <laughs> the, the, my, <laughs> Hank Pym of the comics is probably more aligned to the Michael Douglas that you're thinking of. Because mm-hmm. the Michael Douglas, sorry, the Hank Pym of the comics was like this ultra genius, but he wasn't like this pseudo hippie character that we see in the movies. Yeah. He's, a, mm-hmm. he's not a good dude. Yeah. He's not a good dude he, at all. Yeah, in the comics. If you want, if you want yeah. to see Michael Douglas play like um, diabolical of, of yeah. this way, di- go go and watch um what if the what if episode. Oh yeah. Of um, yeah, that's what, that the, is a uh, good point. Yeah, kill the Avengers. Like uh, oh yeah. He did the voice in that too, right? He is, yeah. He he did the voice. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. That is very much the comic accurate Hank Pym because Mm -hmm. comic accurate Hank Pym is uh, very much not the. He's like one of the worst characters. Yeah, I'll say he has some things in common with Sean Penn. That's all I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But on that note, before we wrap up, did you guys have any final thoughts on anything with the game? Uh, we didn't talk for... about the soundtrack. We didn't talk about the soundtrack. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, is, is this is this Trent Reznor? Or is before is this before they start collaborating? I'm not sure where all the music is from. Some of it's the soundtrack, oh, and no, some of it's just culture, the yeah. the music. But oh, I mean, so not okay. The soundtrack, not okay. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, yeah. I don't think anyone does it better than Fincher in terms of kind of mm-hmm. setting the scenes with whether it's uh you know, a song with lyrics or whether it's, you know, just kind of like background music. I thought he did an exceptional job, uh, you know, kind of pairing the the music to what you what you were supposed to be feeling in each scene. Yeah, I thought I thought it was he fantastic. always is really good with needle drops like across yeah. his career. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it's something that in a lot of films I don't notice. But in this one, I thought it was just fantastic the way that you know, he set it up, you know, it was, it, it was silent at the right times, you know, the pace was right. I thought it was just mm-hmm. really a, a masterpiece in terms of how he set that up. Yeah. And I, I do, I will clarify um, that I did just look it up and uh, the score was done by uh, Howard Shore, who famously did the Lord of the Rings, but also would work with him uh-huh. on, had worked with him on seven just previously. All right. Well, there you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. But the, the soundtrack, which we were talking about, it, yeah, it and it. I mean, it, it like it just feels really good. I mean, it definitely gets you into that sense of like, of, of yeah, the eighties stockbroker kind of mm-hmm. kind of feel of of things, which was like in a, in a heyday at that time, like with this, and then uh, I don't know how much of it in Wall Street, but you kind of get the sense of it, like they kind of bring it back a little bit in the Wolf of Wall Street with that kind of music and stuff of the time 
in that feel. But yeah, this just like the soundtrack just kind of like kept you suspense when when you know it made you it it helped ele- um elevate the suspense for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I just have one more question, and without actually saying any spoilers, just in case people haven't seen it. Oh um, no! Wait, sorry, what, going back to the the, the oh. soundtrack. Uh, uh, no, the, that's the one moment that I was like, I just got reminded the usage of White Rabbit by you know by um by Jefferson Airplane, perfect. That was like the perfect usage <laughs> of, of White Rabbit, so perfect. I love that moment. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. But yeah, my my question to you guys is just um without spoilers. What's what's one of your movie? Uh, what's a movie that really its ending caught you off guard, where you were like, "That's a great twist! I did not see that coming." An- another movie other than this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. I'll start for me. It was the Prestige. I the Prestige. Oh, we talked about, it was that is early, an early excellent episodes. movie. Fantastic, yeah, that, that movie. It just made me be like, it's one of those movies where I was like, I have to go back and watch this again. And I will say too, like watching the game a second time because I watched it like a, maybe a year or two ago was one of the last Fincher. I think it was the last Fincher movie I hadn't seen. Went back and watched, and I watched it the first time. I was like, I don't know if that worked for me. It worked for me a lot better the second go around. So and so, yeah. What's a movie with a great twist where you like have a new appreciation for everything, knowing the ending and going back through? But it hold a second on, time. the Prestige had kind of like what uh, Pete was saying. It had kind of like an Ocean's Eleven like explanation at the end of it right oh yeah a little a, a little, little but yeah. but you you catch so much stuff yeah. like in that second go yeah. through you're like that's why she said yeah. that because oh right. my god yeah yeah uh and when they say oh yeah and then how they say it's one of, it's like one of my favorite christopher nolan movies it is a great if not movie. my favorite christmas yeah. Nolan movie, yeah. but but no the whole like do you love me today no not today oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I would go, the first one that pops into my mind is probably the Sixth Sense. I mean, mm-hmm, I, I thought yeah. that was uh, a very, very good twist at the end, and it was it was also somewhere between like heartwarming and like emotionally redeeming for all the characters. You know, it wasn't just mm-hmm. kind of like a plot twist, but it it meant something at the end. Pete, what do you can you remind me of anything else? What else do you so think? So I think for me, one of the more famous ones is probably the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh I also really liked the ending of Memento. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. No I one's th- got some good twists. Yeah, I, I yeah. really like that twist of Memento. Yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. of all of his movies. Actually, I think that's true for even M. Night. Is mm-hmm. The twists at the earlier part of their careers were probably the most impactful. And I think it's also because yeah. we then kind of almost expect it in the next ones. I mean, that's certainly the case for M. Night Shyamalan, right? It's like every movie of his has got mm-hmm. to have some kind of twist. Yeah. So The twist, I'll just say this, the twist in the knock of the cabin is there is no twist. Well, it's yeah. straight. <laughs> which is... Which is great. <laughs> which is, yeah. I mean, it's so meta that way, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think... The the usual suspects, the reveal, I thought was done very masterfully. But otherwise, I thought in terms of like a mind-blowing twist, it was probably Memento for me. Okay, good call. Mm-hmm. Ariel? Yeah, I'm just like looking through them. There's, there's just some like, just of a fun one. Like, now you see it. I, I now love, you see me? I, yeah. I ha- yeah, no, 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 now, not, now you see it. 
now you see, see it. Is now you see me. Yeah. Oh, is it now you see me? Yeah. Yeah. Now the Mark me. Ruffalo magic Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I love the, tw- the twist of that one. It, it's just like it, it's one of my like a fun like pop it in watchable rewatchable movie for that one. I think Parasite has in recent years. Parasite has had a, like a, a really good twist, but that's not Parasite. like per se at the end. Um. Oh goodness me! You know which um, movie I used to I used to really love, and it hmm. was oh man, I think it was early two thousands. It was Swordfish, which has <laughs> I've actually never that seen one's that. A, that one's a rough one. Yeah. <laughs> Travolta, <was> like... <laughs> Jackman, Halle Berry, Don Cheadle. That one is up for for interpretation, and, and I mean, it is up for liking. I, in my, really I will say, though, Ariel, that's kind of how I feel about Now You See Me. So. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, like I said, it, it's, a, it's a, not like quoting Shakespeare. But <laughs> it's a fun one. Uh, I Like I said, it's a fun one. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah like uh, Swordfish is a fun yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Games? It's, a, it's just out there. It's just yeah. so out there of a twist. That's, that's the yeah. thing. But it's, movies like that, yeah. there's loads, right? There's like... Uh, what was it? Lucky number Slevin? Slevin? Yeah. Slevin, yeah. Lucky yeah, number Josh Slevin. Hartnett. Right? Where, where it's kind yeah. of like the twist isn't that huge of a twist and you can uh-huh. probably see it coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. But it's still fun to see, right? And it's the yeah, same goes yeah. for Swordfish, which is, it's not a, oh, I can see dead people kind of twist at all. It's just, it, but it's still fun to see how they execute it at the end. It's who's the bad it's guy. exactly the same who's for Ocean's really Eleven and yeah. that series. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just a weird one. Yeah. I mean, a classic, you know, Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. Like, Shutter Island's great. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. Is Smoke and Aces, like I will now? say, also, that's a yeah, really good one. That's, oh, a, that's man. one that kind of lends itself to like a Ocean's uh, Eleven breakdown. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. Smoke, Smoke and Aces yeah. with Jeremy Pivot and Ryan Reynolds. Oh, man. Yeah, we did it with JPG. Yeah. It's one of my, it's one of like, yeah, like, uh, I, Ray Liotta. I, when, when we talked about wow. that one. I was like, oh, I, I love this movie. I've loved it since yeah. the first time I watched Common it. Common was um, in yeah. that. Oh man. I have to. Oh watch yeah. It. Common oh, yeah. was so good. He was so good. Yeah. Really great cast in that movie. Chris Pine. Andy Garcia. Uh, man. I have to yes. watch it. Alicia Keys. That's right. Wow. I have to yep, rewatch yep. this. I remember uh, another... seeing it, but I don't remember oh, it. Oh yeah. Way. It was. Another fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go sorry. ahead, Ariel. Another fun one. Um of recent years is like once upon a time in hollywood too that whole twist of like just i like love that movie i would say Tarantino i love yeah i would say way of yeah. just like I, cha- he, let's change history that's great but like yeah. I, I i but i after seeing inglorious bastards i liked it like i was like i know where you're going with this one quentin because you already did it yeah. in glorious bastards and i love yeah the twist i know but- like inglorious bastards really got me that's so Choose between the two of those. Glorious Bastards is the like it's both. They're both great, but like I'm like oh, it's just mm, the piece de resistance in Glorious Bastards. But yeah, all all very 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 good ones. Uh, and and a and a very great film. Uh, I, I'm really glad we got to talk about it. A really interesting one to dive into. You know, like I said, there's all these great pieces of it that I I've really had a, a great time dissecting. So thank you again, guys, for picking it and coming on. Where can people? Uh, listen to you guys and hear some more of your stuff. Thank you. Uh, we're available wherever you're listening to this now. We're probably there. Uh, otherwise, we're the Films and Stuff Podcast, www.filmsandstuffpodcast.com. 
but yeah, we're we're wherever you're listening to this, we're probably there as well. Awesome, awesome. And yeah, uh, thank you guys out there for listening. Uh, if you want to go ahead and give us a rating, we always appreciate a five star rating. Um, but you know, just if uh, if you liked it, what we hear, we do some other stuff too. We have been the Undercast Company, myself, Ariel, and then our co-host Alan as well. Uh, we do a couple other podcasts, including Ariel's podcast you've never seen or she introduces someone to a movie they should have seen by this point or someone introduces her to a movie that she should have seen by this point either way uh and then i also do a marvel podcast whenever there's a new marvel film and i do my podcast can i say something with my friend damien so we do have a lot of uh, st- uh what's it called what stokes in the fire i guess is what it uh, was saying um so definitely check all that out check out films and stuff we've got our patreon as well or just follow us everywhere at undercast company uh, we really appreciate you guys listening and thank you once again guys for guesting uh, i'll see you all next time always thanks, a pleasure sir. thanks everyone bye thanks for being here